Kathy Campbell. And I'm Julia Scott, and there are good things. Every week, we share our tiny joys, something good in the news, and a general good thing that will hopefully make your day a little better. Do you have a a tiny yay this week? I do. This past week uh, was my birthday. I turned 38, and I had the best parade outside my house. Uh, They came by once um, and then looped around the block to come by closer. And I had cards and paper airplanes with love notes thrown at me. That's so Um, great. Which was really fantastic. Uh, Even with this terrible quarantine, it was in my top three of birthdays. So I felt so loved and happy and it was really great. That is really, really nice. Yeah, I feel like it's not like, oh, silver lining or this is showing who people really are. But I do think it's kind of nice in the whole maelstrom of things to see the ways that people still find that interaction. Yes. Like, through windows and beeping cars and stuff. Yeah, and internet. My, my 38th birthday is on October 31st this year, and I'm kind of like, that's a good time to aim for to like be right? allowed to go outside. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, what about you? Do you have a tiny joy? I do. Uh, my tiny joy this week is actually knitting. Uh, which is, you know, often a, a good thing in my life. Uh, but both like over the past three weeks of, of isolating and then over the past week or so, my fever has been rising and not really responding that well to medication. I'm not like, it's not super high. It's like 101 something something most days. Um, but having something at hand that doesn't require too much brain like I can still do things because I'm you know I'm a fidgety person I have ADHD I need to do stuff and I I can I still have something to do that's not just scrolling on my phone uh and also it's very nice uh when the house gets a little cold to have like warm socks and stuff so (laughs) I love that in your world um knitting is low brain power um (laughs) because that is not my world (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it takes a lot to be able to do one thing at a time. So I'm always super impressed anytime anyone does any sort of yarn craft work <laughs> things. It's so impressive to me. <laughs> Julia, do you have a news thing that you would like to share? I do. And I decided to actually not go for good news despite Corona. This is just a fun thing in general. Uh, there's been this cat tracker project to basically figure out where pet cats go when they're outside. My cats are indoor cats, so I know what they do all day. Uh, <laughs> but before, like, it's been hard to you know, follow cats on foot or put um, transmitters on them. But here they had uh, about a thousand cats over four countries. And they wore these trackers for a week so that you could see like how far do they go. And you can kind of figure out what they do. And they've been doing this for six years. And now they published a study in the journal Animal Conservation that it turns out cats are still cats. They don't go that far. <laughs> most of them, like, they go outside and they like they spend most of their time or all of their time within, like, 300 feet, 100 meters of their wow. yard. And, I mean, there's still the same issue that a lot of people talk about that, you know, they can be bad for the local ecology. But yes. I just thought it was funny that they're like, nobody really goes anywhere. There's a couple of... Uh, outliers. So there was one cat 
Penny, a young female from the suburbs of Wellington, New Zealand, uh, who covered an area greater than three square miles. Wow. Right. Uh, And there was uh, a tomcat from southwest England who made, he walked from one village to another, a distance of more than a mile. And then he turned around and walked back and he made this round trip twice in the six days that he was tracked. And nobody can really figure out why. And I like that. That's funny. Uh, So, I mean, clearly, you know, we've domesticated cats, so they're not, but I I think I still kind of figured they were, you know, like tigers or something like they just have this huge range where they want to see stuff. And nope, they're like, uh, basically, basically like this, you know, this uh, patch of grass is also like a couch and then I'm going to go get home and get food. Oh, that's amazing. So I thought that was funny. And and we'll post a link to... um, to the study and an article about it in National Geographic. And they actually also have like uh, maps with plot points so you can see where the cats went, which is really okay, fun. Okay, that's super cool. I love that. So tell me about something good. Yes. So I don't know if you know this, um, but libraries are really cool. They are. It's a great way, not just to get books, um, but there's magazines and newspapers. There's usually internet and computers. There's a bunch of ways when we're not quarantined for the the community to interact, um, usually spaces for learning things and craft projects and all sorts of fun things. Um, But in the time of Corona, uh, most libraries are closed. However, in 2009, a Mr. Todd Bull started a thing um, called Little Free Libraries. And uh, now they're in over 91 countries. So I'm fairly certain that there are Little Free Libraries in Sweden and probably where you are, listener, listening to this. There's actually, uh, I've, when I lived in one apartment building that had these like ledges on each like floor, people just like, you know, leave a book, take a book, just put them up on the, on the little ledge there. Amazing. Amazing. You get a lot so, of, of like detective stories. Oh, I'm sure. Because <laughs> you read that once and you're good. But if you haven't read it yet, you probably want to read the joyousness. But that's a whole other topic that I'm sure we could go on. Um, so Little Free Libraries, um, the goal was to create 2,510, which was more than the number of libraries that were founded by Andrew Carnegie. Um, and in 2012, that goal was met. And by 2016... So three years? Three years, they met that. And by 2016, there were more than 50,000 that were registered. Obviously, his goal was super easy to manage. Um, It spread like wildfire. Uh, And these are just the officially registered ones. So um, Little Free Libraries became a 501c3 in 2012. So it became an official nonprofit. And they uh, worked to create like... Here's a quick kit or tips, ideas, how to do it, where to place it, you know, and society being the way that it is, they just run with it. So there's some that are itty bitty tiny, just enough for a single book that then gets replaced, which is fun. And then there's huge ones, like there's a TARDIS one. I'm sure there's more <laughs> than one TARDIS um, and that's bigger on the inside with all of these books. And so it's something that has a basic principle of, hey, it should be this 
like style enough to hold books and this height so that people can reach it, etc. But people's imaginations are absolutely incredible. And something I really, in my research, I really found and just loved partially because this happened in my state. But in 2015, (laughs) Portland Mayor Charlie Hales announced a major liberalization of public space and created Little Community Kiosk Day. So he basically made it to where you could have an automatic permit and insurance coverage on either side of the sidewalk in public areas, which was for the little free libraries, but also like little mini food pantries and things. Um, And it included like all of these guidelines to be ADA uh, compliant and just really was like, hey, you're safe to do this if you follow these steps. You're good to go. Just do it. And originally it was because um, the the main reason that he decided to try and do this, it looks like, was to help a significant gang problem in the city. And the year that it happened, uh, three different gangs both designed, constructed, and installed more than 150 of these little kiosks in the city. So it kind of worked. From what I saw, some of them had all three little sections. So they had a section for books, a section for food, and then a section for like feminine products, toilet paper type things. Now, in today's day, I'm sure the toilet paper would be gone <laughs> in a heartbeat. <laughs> but it was nice to have these places because I don't know if you know this, but Portland gets very wet. Um, and so having a dry place for things to live in um, is is pretty cool. Yeah, and I love that people also recognize that these little library and little library type places are useful for so many different things because like you you need to feed all the parts of the human sort of. So yes. like it's it's good to have access to books um and that they're accessible regardless of like who you are or where you are in life. Like it could you could just be like you're walking by your your average happy middle class person and you're like, ooh, a little library. I wonder if there's anything there that I want to read right now. Um, right. And then maybe next time you walk by, you're, you'll bring three paperbacks because you really liked the one book that you got there before. Or yeah. that you can or that you can leave, you know, a little store of canned goods or I guess not lunch meats, but like, you know, like yeah. different kinds of things or even just like some candy um, or tampons or that kind of thing. I love in general when people do that. And I, I think that, you know, people people joke that if you put out a bowl on, on Halloween and say, you know, help yourself, it's going to be empty when the first kid gets there. But I find that a lot of the time that's not necessarily true. People, like, people appreciate when it's kind of like I talked, you know, responsibility, uh, freedom under responsibility. Yes. That same thing when, when people are like, you're doing something nice for me and you're trusting me to be decent about it. So I'm going to be. Yeah, because really, most of most people are going to be decent. There are always the outliers. And these are the ones we hear about in the news and in stories and things. But really, for the most part, people are nice. People are good. Plus, with the little libraries, it's it's sad if somebody takes all the books, but A, that means that somebody has all the books, and right. it's it's easy to restock. It's not like somebody broke into a big library that has like tens of thousands of books right. and took them all. If somebody takes, even if they're 
really a poopy person and like take them and throw them in a puddle that's sad don't do that to books but even so like the neighbors in just that neighborhood can restock that little library in you know five minutes if they want to yeah and most people will have books somewhere in their life um usually ones that they've read and maybe haven't taken or aren't worth anything to sell to these bookstores or like they got from, you know, three steps of people that bought it at, you know, about books is that they are reusable Um, and you can read it as many times (laughs) as you want and it doesn't get broken. Uh, I mean, it can get broken. Don't get me wrong. And anyone that dog ears their pages is a monster, but that's fine. We're moving on. Um, But it's so easy to say, oh, what a great idea. Here's a box that somebody else built and put together because you can use it without having had to build it yourself. And so, oh, hey, I have these three books at home that I'm not reading anymore. They're taking up space on the shelf. Powell's won't take them to give me money. So I might as well let them out into the wild to be read and enjoyed and being able to stick them somewhere that you know, even if nobody actually is like likes it you don't know because you don't know who's taking it so there's no personal connection necessarily with that book too which is kind of nice do you have one near you i do there's actually three i know of within walking distance that's cool i i don't think i have one anywhere near me that i know of um i have an an aunt who likes to publish pictures on her instagram of the one on the little like island that she lives on which i think is nice i i think my experience of this type of thing is often like in um like hostels and things uh and or in there's this uh, really old um 19th century I don't know. I don't even know what you would call it. It's like a bathing house. So it's like U shaped and goes out into the water. So like the inside of the U, you're protected and you can like um, sunbathe naked and stuff. And so there's books there as well. So you can like take one while you're just lying there and getting some sun. And I'm always like, are these take one, leave one? Or should I try to come back with it? Or should I finish it now? But usually they are just like, you know, somebody's left these here. You can have one. And I always love the extreme randomness of what winds up there. Cause it's not just, yeah. you know, the crappy paperbacks or the read it once and forget it. Sometimes it's really obscure books. No, I love that. Um, because there's a reason that this book got published. Like it's not necessarily a, I printed this in my house on my paper and I bound it up, which I have actually seen like um, spiral bound books in them before um, like guerrilla marketing <laughs> like, yeah and I was like oh that's very smart it wasn't a very good book the one that I saw but it's fine um, but you read uh, it I did read it and then I put it right back <laughs> so somebody else could read it because you know and I, I'm sure that person walked by every day waiting for somebody to take their book in the hopes that somebody would read what they wrote mm-hmm And there's something about, uh, we did it with my daughter in her books, and she got so excited to put these books in this little house. It was a a little castle one that's close to me. And um, think of, you know, we talked about on the walking way home, we talked about um, 
Like, who do you think is going to read it? These books that you chose from your own bookshelf to put in this little library. Um, and then a couple of days later, when we walked by, they were gone. And she just was so excited. The magic of this little library is just pretty special. I hadn't thought of that part about how kids can see the stories move on. That's really, yeah. really nice. Yeah, I think in general, just like, you know, when you have like lending libraries for maybe tools or that kind of thing. I just think yeah. I sharing is caring. I really do feel that. It really <laughs> is. Just not let's not share viruses. How about that? No. Let's uh let's share stories online instead. Yes. Speaking yes. of which, do you want to take us out with something good in the news? I would love to. So this comes from our friend Shelly Brisbane, um, who sent me uh, this link, which I had seen running around before, but somehow didn't make it into our little spreadsheet of good things. So thank you, Shelly, for sharing this. Um, It's for our friend Tim, who is the head of security at the National Cowboy Museum. (gasps) Oh, God, yes. Have you seen this? I'm sure you have. It's so great. And uh, our friend Tim is very typical cowboy. He's got the handlebar. I don't even know what to call this type of mustache, but it's like the full goatee, but without the chin section. Yeah, the, the sort of Hulk Hogan style. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's exactly what it is. He's got his cowboy hat. He's got his bolo tie. He's got his khaki like button up shirt. It's great. So now... And of course, with a grain of salt, who we're not sure how accurate, you know, everything this is, because it could be totally like a marketing team. But I'm going to go with the idea that this is actually Tim and this is how he's doing this, because that is what my imagination wants to live in this time. It's all happy and wholesome. And everyone has seen someone in their family or vicinity who just does not understand social media. Yes. Yes, exactly. So if you don't know, um, Tim, so Tim, as the head of security at the National Cowboy Museum, is told that because of um, the quarantine lockdown situations, that he should share some of the things that are in the museum. So the very, like one of these things, he goes, this is the hat and eye patch the Duke wore in the movie True Grit. They are part of our exhibition about the two true grit. Lots of interesting props and clothes. I'm told I can't try it on. Hashtag, and this is spelt out, not the symbol. Hashtag John Wayne. Lucas, my grandson, told me to use hashtags. Thanks, comma, Tim. And it's just a picture of the hat and eye patch uh, on the thing. Um, There's a variety of Twitter tips, please. And then, oh, sorry, I was Googling that. <laughs> Which you know, you know, you've seen that on Facebook. Oh, 100%. I, and I know for sure that this is what people have done. Um, my favorite, though, is the Selfie Station series. So in this museum, there are little places on the floor that have um, like boot prints that say, this is where you can have a selfie station. And it's um, basically... Uh, scenery in the background of something cool. So like there's a horse um, rearing up in the rodeo gallery that you can So basically like you're... here is where you get a good angle with this particular exactly. diorama. 
Exactly. And so you have a picture and you see the selfie station on the floor and a little bit of the backdrop. Um, and the the text is, Seth in marketing said people would love to have me take some photos of our selfie stations in the cowboy. Here's one from the rodeo gallery. Enjoy. And of course, it's just the the floor. It's not a selfie of him being in it. it you can barely see what it's supposed to be a selfie of. It's very funny um, because then the next one says, didn't get the selfie station photo quite right. I get it now. Here's the selfie station in the Warhol and the West running through May 10, 2020. Thanks, Tim. And he's squatting on the floor. And it is a selfie at this point. In front of the selfie station, <laughs> taking a selfie. So, again, but it's from above, so it's him and the square on the yes, floor. Yes, yes. So again, it's missing the main point, but is so funny, and it is fantastic, and I just love it, and I love Tim so very much, and the underlying stories of they're not letting me try these things on, like a bunch of hats and and like chaps and stuff, and Tim is very sad that he can't try them on. Um, is so funny and I just I just love all of this I'm kind of I think a lot of people are imagining him sort of like a you know night at the museum thing yes where like when it's closed and dark he runs around and like makes pew 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 noises and like has a little <laughs> little weird gunfight with himself yes exactly I am it, yes that's exactly my life that I'm living right now for him <laughs> that is a very very good thing to see and to remember. And there are always good things. You can share your good things, good news, and tiny joys with us at therearegoodthingspod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter as podgoodthings. Our show notes, where you will find all these things, including Mr. Tim, uh, are at therearegoodthings.com. See you next week. Bye. Bye.